The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to Coffee and Comics, part of the Secrets of Movies and TV Shows podcast. We'll be talking about the hidden meanings and deeper layers of superhero movies and the great comic book stories they adapt. Today we'll be covering Season 2 of Loki, Marvel's latest Disney Plus show that just concluded last week with an epic finale. I'm Andrew Hermes, and today I'm joined by David Handlos. Hello, David. Hello. And Patrick Mason. Hello, Patrick. Howdy, Andrew. Hello. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or the SQPN YouTube channel and at sqpn.com. You can find us on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter where we are at sqpn or on Instagram where we are at starquestnetwork. And do us a favor by please sharing the podcast with your friends and with any comic book fans out there. And if you want, we did cover Loki Season 1 back on Episode 70 of Secrets of Movies and TV Shows, so you can... If you're interested, if you haven't listened to that episode, or if you want to revisit season one, you can find it on any of those podcast platforms or at starquest.fm slash scr70. All right, so Loki season two just ended, and we got quite a finale that obviously we'll be covering on this episode, on this podcast. But I'll let you know, let's take it from the beginning. What were your overall impressions before we dive into the general overview of the season? Just as a whole, Loki season two, what, what are your f- sort of initial impressions or what you came away with after the finale last week? Patrick, you want to start us off? <laughs> yeah, well, I always, I'm always like, should I go first? Wait, <laughs> I don't, but I, I loved it. Like I've, I've loved Loki season one. I've loved, I love it. I love the architecture. I love the sort of futuristic yet said in the past. I've always loved that kind of aesthetic or you're using a typewriter for a computer screen, or you're, you're using an 80s era computer, but you're talking to a hologram <laughs> at the same time. The anachronistic future, or whatever you call it, or the yeah, the the all the key lime pies and the what was that place called? The automat, right? Yeah, yeah. With, with all the little doors, and I loved it pretty much through and through. It was interesting to me because it was. I I really love this season. I love Loki in general, and I think it's because it's what Marvel does really well, and that is redemption stories. Like Marvel, just they like of anything that they can do, they can nail those out of the park, right? They can hit a home run with a redemption story, and they did it very well. And it was very interesting how they brought it from where we left off in season one to where we were in season two. And I love the fact that they, much like season one, they didn't dodge any of the big questions. Like all of the free will versus fate versus how does time work and function and physics and all that. And is it a problem of who or where or when or what? (laughs) And I love the new characters they introduced. OB was fantastic. So yeah, I enjoyed the heck out of it from beginning to end. Yeah, David? I'll... Start at the end, right where I I enjoyed it from beginning to end as well. Season two seemed even more fast paced in a way than first the first season, just because it was the race. You started from the Loki started from the get go, 
there was no rest. It was just boom. You're he's already in an emergency, and um, this you've got to. We are we already saw a huge change just in six episodes in Loki in the first Loki season, and this took it all the way even further than I ever thought. And without and at the risk of spoiling a little bit, it also made it also used a Groundhog Day way way of making it happen. Yeah, it certainly did. I love that movie. Yeah, Groundhog Day. If you're gonna if you're gonna borrow any story devices, that's not a bad movie to steal it from. But yeah, I echo what you guys are saying. It's I loved it. I think it's uh, even better than season one, and I love season one. And yeah, something we're gonna talk about a lot, and and we we're just talking about it before we started recording is just a lot of full circle moments, a lot of as you mentioned redemption and. Loki as a character, like his character arc, uh, just if you just look at it from like when we were introduced to him in the first Thor movie and and him being like the main villain of the first Avengers movie and just seeing where he's ended up now in this sort of like where we see him in the finale, which feels very much like a series finale and and reading up on interviews and stuff from the cast and the producers of the show. This definitely was a, a, a definitive ending, but not meaning we're not going to see Loki again. But as far as the Loki Disney Plus series, it looks like it was meant to be two seasons, two halves of a book, as one of the, I think the director of the show, one of the directors or producers of the show described it. And I'm glad we got that. I'm glad that obviously there's a lot of implications on the MCU as a whole going forward after what happened in the finale, especially. So we'll get into that. But as far as like a character arc of Loki, of Mobius, of Sylvie, even new characters we met this season, like Obi, there's definitely, they definitely wrapped up their stories very well. But obviously with anything Marvel related, it's all open-ended at the end too, with sort of endless possibilities. But for the story they were trying to tell, to, to take this sort of variant of a character that, tragically dies by Thanos's hands literally to take that character and to see to witness like what would happen like from that first episode of Loki was able to see the sort of the events of his life take place what would he change and what would happen if he he becomes friends with someone like Mobius he meets a female <laughs> variant of himself like Sylvie and we see, I think it was a beautiful story that they told. And it's more than a redemption arc. It's just, it's an evolution of a person, some, someone turning from evil to good. And it's just a, as a show in general, not just a comic book show or a Marvel show. It's one of the better shows, recent memory. And like you said, it's not just the story. It's the performances and the the design from the costumes to the the sets. And I think the use of a lot of practical sets too, it just feels like a very organic and a very unique show unto itself that that kind of stands out from the other mcu properties so yeah it was phenomenal show exceeded all my expectations for it and yeah hopefully we i'm sure we'll see loki again in some capacity but but yeah i'm gonna miss the show that's for sure it's interesting that like how they use so many like physical sets like practical sets and so like the tva kind of screams out like Oh, why wouldn't you use a green screen for doing this? But they really did it, right? They mm -hmm. really had a lot of those props. They had the, the setup and the lighting and the the stuff you'd all stolen somehow from the fifties and seventies, and they had it all, and that made it so much better. 
Yes. It's just so much more like real, like for an organization that is very unreal in its existence and being, and it's stepped back from time, right? And But it made it very concrete and real because they used those physical sets. And that's, I loved, I absolutely love the new sets, the OB's sort of, chamber of secrets town. <laughs> <laughs> you have to hit this one button in this one elevator in order to open up this one little <laughs> section and go through this right. door and walk by the banana that's in the tube. <laughs> and it's just this, and it's so, it's such a cool room because it's the way it's set up as an orb and the shelving is circular. And you think about like practicality, it's probably not to a normal mind and practical, but Obi doesn't strike you as a normal person. And so it just, it fits him. And then when we meet his variant in the, the alternate universe and he has that like workshop, which is the same thing, right? It just doesn't have that middle table like his workshop in the TVA has it, but it is practically the same room and you get to see it. It appears to be the kind of thing he would gravitate to. And I love his character. I love the handbook. Oh Yeah. What inspired casting? Like, Kei Kwan is just, he's so good. And I just like that he's been rediscovered lately. Yeah, it's really a renaissance ever since he was in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Quanaissance, whatever. Yeah, right? Since he was a little kid in Indiana Jones, he was really not getting any roles. And I think he, like, for a time was like an assistant stunt coordinator. I believe. Yeah, and a lot of, and he he was also on the original X Men movie, uh, or X2, might have been. Maybe both, but maybe that's what. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You t- and that's where he first met Kevin Feige because he was a producer on that film before, way before the MCU. So, so a full circle moment for him, just being a, an assistant stunt coordinator on on that movie, and now being one of the highlights. And he's not the main character, but definitely we see a lot of his character, and, and he gets a lot of screen time, and definitely a fan favorite. So, yeah, uh, hopefully we see more of him as well. Uh, I, I do enjoy. Enjoy Obi. Yeah, so let's go back to the first episode of uh, season two. It starts off like right where season one ends with, uh, I believe the opening shot is just, we, we see Loki running in slow motion down the hallways of the TVA because he's in a, well, we learned that he's not in a different universe, but he's just in the past. The way season one ends where we find Loki meeting up Mobius right after Sylvie kills He Who Remains, and he's trying to warn him that all the Kangs are coming. And Mobius like, who are you? Who are you? What department are you in? <laughs> and you look like an animal. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This huge statue of, of Kang, and we're like, oh my gosh, he's in a totally different universe where Kang is like running the show. And uh, But we learn later in the episode that it's, it's time slipping. And again, really great special effects to talk about the practical sets. Even the VFX are great. Like the time slipping... It was the way he time slips. It's very like visceral and like weird and <laughs> disturbing. And yeah. it looked painful. Yeah. <laughs> I love that yeah. movie. It like, looks like it hurts. What did it look like? <laughs> it did, did, did look that yeah. bad. It was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, why'd you, lie to, why'd you lie to me about that? And again, I love the banter between those two. Those two, it's like those even buddies for centuries, but they're just like, it's only six episodes in. But it's like he's one of probably Loki's first real friend no seriously it's their chemistry is really what makes the show work and yeah we he notices that this weird thing is happening where he's just out of his own control just slipping through time going into the past and coming back to the present so when he gets to a point to where he meets mobius in the present where he knows who he is mobius introduces him to to ouroboros ob 
who's like the, I don't know, the IT guy <laughs> for the whole TVA, <laughs> the author yeah. of the TVA handbook, as we learn. And that's how we get introduced to this sort of concept of time slipping in, in a very cool way with Loki going back and forth into the past. He meets Obi in the past to where before they met and then he fills him in as he's going back and forth. He's like, this is okay. We, this is what you got to do. I've never encountered this before. And then in real time, we see Obi's, wait, I do remember. I, we did meet. <laughs> so it was a really cool, clever way, the sort of story device that we see a lot of time travel movies and in different ways, they, d- different ways they try to tell a story or develop some sort of plot device. But this was really a cool and unique take on this to where we, we literally see a character learning in real time and seeing their past affecting their present as he's coming back. So, and that plays a big role throughout the series, especially in the finale. And then he time slips and then he, he looks for Sylvie. And then we see in, in, in the after credit scene that she's in a, a branch timeline in Oklahoma in 1982 at a McDonald's restaurant. <laughs> so very, we get to see a very cool vintage McDonald's restaurant. And that's how episode one ends. So what did you guys think? Just real quick overall, that first episode, how did season two start off for you guys? Uh, David, let's hear what you had to think. Still, I mean, I had more questions than answers, but I loved how they started it. And I loved how they used the idea of time, especially since this is a new concept because this is for the TVA because the TVA is supposed to be outside of time. But here's a guy moving back and forth in time in a place that's supposed to be timeless. So it's that made me interested and made my head hurt at the same time. So, <laughs> right. so it, but it was great. And then just the McDonald's plug at the end of like, how much did McDonald's pay for that? But anyway, it's, <laughs> but both my wife and I were watching it. We're like, that's when fast food places were actually fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The McDonald's looked like a fun place to go and not like mm. it was having a midlife crisis, which is yes. what they look like now. <laughs> yeah. I loved the Obi's introduction. I love the time slipping and, and Obi going, that's not possible in the TVA. You can't time slip here. And then having him watch Loki do it in both times and being like, okay. And then that using that as the explanation for how Obi was learning through Loki as he went back and forth. I really enjoyed, enjoyed that kind of play. I was very happy we got to see Sylvie, even though it was an, an, End credits because I was really worried we weren't going to, and I was really like, no, I need, I need to see what's going on here. Mm, obviously, <laughs> so you weren't she, the only one. Yeah, if she hadn't been in there, I would have been, I would have been miffed. I would have been a little, mm. <laughs> a little ticked off. Oh, totally. After everything that happened in season one, we had to see what she was doing, and and she had to be a big part of this season. So yeah, I'm happy that we finally got to see her in that little stinger at the end. Yeah, that first episode was perfect to start out because again it's it it, it it was a good introduction to the weirdness that we we're going to encounter throughout the season and it did a good job of introducing the the time slipping aspect because that obviously played a huge role throughout the season and 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 sets the the stage for how loki and and everyone else are, are going to navigate like the sort of consequences of ultimately sylvie's actions by killing he who remains in season one and then we we get more light shed upon that in the finale as well. But but yeah, I thought it was yeah perfect way to start it off. On the next episode, we they capture Hunter X Five, one of the TVA. I don't know what you would call them, TVA officers. No, or, she was, yeah, I guess, or hunters. But... <laughs> yeah, because they're all called Hunter, right? There's Hunter B Fifteen, yeah. or 
who we know. So they find him on, on he he went back to 1977 where he's like a famous actor. <laughs> I don't know if he's famous, but he's I, I, it looks like he's like B movie famous. Yeah, it's yeah. like B movie. Might be like Bruce Campbell level famous, right? Yeah, of. yeah. And obviously, just living the life. They capture him, they interrogate him. That's how they they figure out where where Sylvie is at. Um, and uh, so Loki, Mobius, and Hunter they go to Oklahoma. They find Sylvie. She's working at the McDonald's. Yeah. I was pretty blown away. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah dude. And you know what? And, and I don't know if it was in that episode or, or it was a later one. Like the, there was like a, like just looking at the McDonald's food, like there was a scene where I think Sylvie has like a bag of, of McDonald's. She sets it on her truck and like, you can see the steam coming out of the bag it just made me really want McDonald's at, the, at that moment. Yeah, <laughs> now I want McDonald's. Yeah. Thank you. I'm very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've started oh, craving. I know, right? Gosh. <laughs> it was like the, the fact that no one said, do you want fries with that at any point? Oh, what of, a missed opportunity. Yeah. I know. I was like, I was waiting. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was like an interesting sort of, if you've just done something like really huge in your life and you don't know what to do next, <laughs> just go to Oklahoma and work at McDonald's for a little while and yeah. figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After going through a bunch of like apocalypses and stuff, like just settling down in Oklahoma, working at McDonald's just seems nice. I can't blame her too much. Yeah. yeah after After all that. Yeah, that that would that would be relatively calming. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Manager seemed to like her. She got along with the rest of the staff. Yeah, and like I said, it was a time where McDonald's was like a totally perfect, normal place to go and, and a well respected establishment. So McFlurry's worked back then. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the ice cream machine was never broken. Yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah, yeah. actually worked. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, so they they go find her and Loki just does his whole song and dance about how desperate the situation is and she's sylvie does what sylvie does she's just refusing to get involved with the tva again and she's loving her life right now and yeah in the middle of all this sylvie hypnotizes hunter x5 and he forces him to reveal dox's plan to simultaneously destroy the branching timelines with with reset charges so so they send wolf back and Loki, Mobius, and Sylvie, they captured Docs, but by then it was too late. A lot of a lot of her people escaped. They already set a bunch of charges, and they 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 already eliminated a bunch of branch a bunch of timelines. And we they tracked down Ravana Renslayer. They tracked down her tempad, and on one of the remaining branching timelines, and then Sylvie's, you know what? The TVA is a mess. I'm going back to McDonald's. And she takes the she takes the he who remains Tempad that she has after he she killed him and she's gone. I thought I thought this was a really neat episode because it was very much the TVA trying to figure out like what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Like now that it's been revealed that the whole sacred timeline thing when the three time lords are is bunk, you walk into that table with the judges and the head of the time lord or whatever the time mm, time bot. Yeah, is yeah. is on the table there and you've got these various judges arguing over what do we do? And you've got the one going, Our mission's still the same and that's what you got from Renslayer when she left at the end of season one. Uh, that nothing's changed. We're still, the sacred timeline is still the sacred timeline. It doesn't matter why. And then you have the was it Hunter B5? B5, 
five. Yeah, X-Five. making a case for X Five. X Five. X Five. It was five. X5. Sorry. Yeah. Ends of five. Sorry. Yeah. She was awesome, case. but yeah. B fifteen. Oh yeah. B fifteen. It's Hunter B fifteen, and then then Hunter X Five. Yeah. Okay. Can get confusing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So I use names. <laughs> he, Mobius got to be called Mobius. What about everybody else? They got Mobius and Renslayer, and the rest of them got alpha alphabetized numerical names. Yeah. He's just old. He's just old analyst. Before they had eventually, numbers. Eventually, yeah, you find out about Renslayer and Mobius, his past as hunters, and you're like, when do they get names? Is it like a part of your ceremony as you go? You progress like a to another. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're good enough to have a name now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so in episode three, titled 1893, um, we we finally get to see, we see Miss Minutes and Renslayer, and they're in Chicago in 1868, and they secretly drop off a TVA handbook through a window where we see a very, very young Victor Timely a variant of Kang or he who remains. And they, then they travel to the Chicago's world fair, like 15 years later, um, in 1893. And they, that's where Loki and Mobius track, track them down with the temp pad. And they see Victor timely presenting his temporal loom prototype. And, and then there we see Victor timely is it's a cool scene. Cause it's like Loki and Mobius are there tracking him down and then there's like a bunch of other people there's obviously a Renslayer Miss Minutes and then there's Sylvie who wants to kill him again to prevent the king him to rise to to, to power because he's a king variant and there's like a, a baron and a robber that are after him because he got because Victor Timely scammed him with a like a fake invention. Yeah. <laughs> he's a real genius, but he's also a con man. Yes, and yeah, it's a great performance uh, by Jonathan Majors. It's really a, a funny take on on again like a someone who's a genius, but like just is socially inept and also just trying to get by. So he's like a scam artist, just trying to get funding for his next prototype. Like everything's a prototype. So that's his excuse. Oh, it didn't, this didn't work. It's a prototype. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would have done really well in Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Modern huckster show. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Renslayer wants to start, uh, catches up with him, wants to start, start a partnership. They go to his laboratory in Wisconsin. And Miss, we get this kind of funny, weird scene with Miss Minutes where she professes her love for him. Yeah, because <laughs> she, she get, like, yeah, she has a history with He Who Remains. So, yeah, it's playing out there. Yeah, it was fun, but uncomfortable at the same time. <laughs> and like, I love her appearances as the Ghost Clock. That yeah, when she gets so fun. yeah, oh my gosh, she is terrifying. She was terrifying in season one. Oh, yeah, I, I like how they they still play off that. Um, but luck, luckily, he turns her off after that weird interaction. And uh, but that's when uh, you know Loki and Renslayer and Mobius and Sylvie arrive, and then you know they convince Loki convinces Sylvie to just let them take. Victor back to the TVA so they can figure everything out. But then they send Renslayer to the, to back to the Citadel at the end of the world with Miss Minutes where there's a, a dead, he who remains sitting in that chair and rotting. And, and then 
Miss Minutes tells Renslayer, this is how the episode ends, tells Miss Miss Minutes tells Renslayer like that she knows a secret about her. And that's how it ends. So what did you guys think of this sort of period piece of an episode? Episode three of Loki season two. I liked it just because it, it actually stayed in one place a little bit more. When you're in, when you're doing a time travel related show, it it's necessary. But sometimes when you're hopping around from one place to the other too much, then you just get a little cross eyed. Um, it you needed to actually for to actually learn about Victor Timely, you had to stay in one place for a little bit. You had to see what he was, where he came from, and what he was about. Which is trying to trying to to be honest. My wife and I were talking about this. Let me just be honest with you. Trying to make it as a black man in the 1800s, yeah, not a lot of options, right? Yeah, uh, and when you're a genius like that, you gotta be. Done. Oh man, uh, but I just yeah, putting Victor Timely in the 1800s was just an interesting choice because the in the quote unquote real comics, Victor Timely was a version of Kang who time traveled back to the 1900s and had founded a time uh, a city. A, 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 a town and just just let time pass for a little bit and recharge his batteries as a quote unquote benevolent guy. He wasn't, but it was just. But this, I like. I really liked this take on him. Yeah, so yeah, I I liked. So you get this insight into who he is, and I think the most telling part is the I don't do partners right, and we get that twice. So it's obviously very important that we catch that. Because when the guy's trying to buy his invention, he's like, no, I don't do partners, but I'll sell it to you. And then later on with Renslayer, when she's, she basically makes a comment, I think this is going to be a very fruitful partnership. He pulls back from her and then eventually <laughs> cuts her loose in a rowboat <laughs> in the middle of the lake. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, and he's I don't do partners. And it's funny because Miss Minutes, at that point, you can see she's, oh, I've got my chance. And you did the right thing, and she's egging him on. And the other part was the showmanship. We got a lot of that from season one. But it's the, huckster's not quite the right word, but that version of showmanship, because it foreshadows what's going to happen at the end, right? That the kind of, the fact that like killing him wasn't really the end, right? Like this invention that I've sold you wasn't really real. This ending point that you thought you were at isn't really the end. Like it's, it was simply just another step you were taking along the path that I formed for you. And so I really, I liked that quite a lot about this episode because it was a, a deeper dive into who, he who remains or Kang really is and how he operates. And you can bounce this version of him off of the one we got, He Who Remains, but you can also bounce him off the one we got in Ant-Man and the Wasp. The same kind of, I don't do partners, right? (laughs) And I need to be in control of whatever it happens to be. And his interaction with Miss Minutes, very awkward, but also very interesting that you have this AI who's been running around for thousands, millions of years, who knows, has been sitting somewhere between the TVA and the end of time for ever and <laughs> comes, develops a crush. Um, I it's sort of just, it was such a good performance of like, how do I deal with this ultra awkward situation created by a person that both is me and is not me? Like it's because he's dealing with really the problems of he who remains, but he's not he who remains. He's Victor Timely. And it, it it's just it's so stark and awkward with Miss Minutes. <laughs> yeah. Man, seriously. 
And I love the I love Sylvie because in the fight scene in the carousel where she declares to Loki, "I told you what I would do if I ever found another one. I'd kill him." And then when she's got full reign and she could do it, and Victor's just please don't, and she just ah fine <laughs> and kicks him off to the TVA. So I've enjoyed watching Sylvie change. Yeah, we really see her like she's obviously it's hard to to understand what's happening because no one understands what's happening at this point. But like, I think she's realizing, okay, there's something more to this. Like I thought I killed him, but like here he is again, but this is like a version of him. That's not corrupt yet. You know? And that's how she's like, just, you can take him to the TVA. Let's figure this out. So yeah, I too enjoy her character. This is definitely a Loki show and Loki brother of Thor, but she, Sylvie is obviously being a variant of Loki's play. The evolution of her character is a very interesting one as well. And then in the next episode, so we see Miss Minutes. Oh, so Miss Minutes at the end of episode three has a secret to tell Renslayer. And she reveals that Renslayer was, I guess it's implied that romantically involved with He Who Remains, or at the at the very least, they were partners. Um, and she basically commanded his army. And He Who Remains was telling her, like, you're going to lead the TVA with me. But obviously that didn't happen. Miss Minutes erase her memories. Again, the no partner thing comes to play here. And we go back to the TVA. We see the temporal loom is like just reaching catastrophic failure. We're all going <laughs> to die. <laughs> <laughs> and so Loki and everyone, they're, they're trying to use Victor's and Obi's throughput multiplier. There's a cool scene where Obi realizes when he meets Victor... Oh, the source of this knowledge is from where I got this knowledge is from your writings. And so it was like a cool, like, uh, recognition of, of like geniuses through this sort of ontological paradox. Uh, It's definitely a big paradox is that he learned about time travel theories from a scientist named Victor Timely, but Victor Timely learned about it from his, from Obi's handbook. And I needed something stronger than coffee after thinking about that. Right. (laughs) Which. Which was the chicken? Which one was the egg? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but... I love the scene where they hand each other the books. And they're like, can you sign my book? Can you sign mine? (laughs) You're OB? You're him? (laughs) You're faking timing? It was so adorable, yeah. And yeah, that's another cool thing about the show is like it, it... The way they're handling the Kang angle and the MCU in general. Like we see He Who Remains season one. We see a sort of more of the king the conqueror in in ant-man and then in this one we see him as again victor timely and we just automatically fall in love with this character it's like we forget that he's this the next big bad on the mcu um apparently and at least that's how they're building him up and it seems like that where it's oh my gosh this guy is just him and Ob are like we. I'd watch a show with just him and Ob going on adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that was yeah that was that was a cool scene and that and like the um, the hot chocolate scene. Watches it and then gives it to the guy. You know he's all excited. He's like a kid yeah. in a candy yeah, store. Yeah. And just it's hard not to really like his character. He's just got that sort of uh, I don't know like this guy's really cool or fun or whatever it is to him. Yeah, right before that. I think it was before that hot chocolate scene. We we see 
Renslayer and Miss Minutes, they're trying to take over the TVA and they, they go into the cell where they're holding Hunter X5 and Docs and all of Docs's loyalists. And it's just this disturbing scene. Yeah, brutal. so brutal. So Renslayer and Miss Minutes are trying to get everyone to get on her side. Onto team, onto team, team Renslayer. Renslayer yeah. We're going to take over the TVA and blah, blah, blah. And Docs and redemptive martyrdom says, no, I'd rather die, <laughs> basically, yeah. literally. Right, and it's, it's such an interesting scene because you don't feel like her and Renslayer's purposes were at odds, especially at the beginning of the season. It felt like they were very much the same kind of a, like the TVA, we're still going to do what we did, our mission didn't change. And, but when it like comes down to it, like she's, she's no, I'm not going to join you. This is not what we're about. Right, because even when Docs, when they were eliminating those branches they had their intention was good they thought what they were doing was right but because but being faced with someone like Renslayer Miss Minutes these are the two people that are gonna lead the TVA to brighter horizons like no like she knew exactly what that would entail so they chose death and death in a very like horrific this is this is very inventive way again this sort of tech of the TVA like this sort of torture chamber that they're in like they're in this sort of box that just shrinks until they're crushed to death and yeah you hear the bones crushing and the screams and hunter x5 being the one selfish person to to join team renslayer has to witness that so yeah that was yeah that was that that scene definitely stood out and obviously because of how like horrific and tragic it was but also giving Docs like a cool moment, even though she's like a minor character that we've barely visit that again, even this, the minor characters on the show, yeah, cool story arcs and character uh, development. So immediately after that, we see Wolf, we, we go to that hot chocolate machine. That's where Wolf uh, kidnaps Victor. And while staging a rescue, Sylvie and Loki, we, he encounters his time slipping past self. So that at the end of uh, end season one, where we see Loki getting pruned, Right as he sees Sylvie after a time slip, it's a scene where we don't know what's going on, but we just, the TVA's been disarray and Loki time slips to this time in the future and he gets pruned. We don't see who prunes him. Here we see that Loki prunes himself. And in order to stop the time slipping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let, yeah, for his path, which is, <laughs> again, like, which what, turns out to be like the thing he needs to do in the next episode. Right, right. <laughs> He's learning. He's, but it's funny that it's like that, that cured his time slipping for his past self, but then that brought it, then all, then he started time slipping again. Yeah. So that brought it back. Yeah. Wild stuff. Again, just, uh, might need like a, as confusing as that stuff might be if you really try to think about it, like the show does a good job of, you know what, here are the rules. And even if they don't make sense, we're going to show, we'll show you stuff in, in an order where it makes sense. Like we, like from before, like we see Renslayer drop the book through the window. So we know Victor got the book at a young age. So the scene with him and Obi later where they have that exchange is okay. It's maybe it's weird to explain this paradox, but like we get why this is happening because we just saw that earlier. So the, sh the show does a good job of that. So it doesn't get like too, doesn't get confusing in, in a way that's like distracting or annoying. And uh, that that's a credit to the, I think the great writing of the show. We see after Lo we see Loki prunes his past self, Obi activates Miss Minutes and all the suppressing devices. 
So now Sylvie and Loki can use their powers. And uh, <laughs> they're both like, shut it down <laughs> then. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a great scene. Let people use magic in the TVA. And they're, like, they're both like, shut it down, down then. <laughs> and then you see like how easy it is now. Because it makes sense. Like you got two gods in the TVA. You have to have some sort of plot device that suppresses their powers. Because they could, you know, literally do whatever they wanted if, if, if they had their powers. So we see immediately Sylvie just, all right, Hunter X5. Go prune Renslayer, <laughs> you know. Re- so does that rescues Victor, uh, restores access. Uh, he restores access to the loom, and then uh, you know we, they have the what's that the, the throughput multiplier, right? So that's what they need to attach this device, and then ha- and shoot it into the loom, so the loom could expand the whatever whatever is containing the loom can expand and can contain it's like the, the it'll, it's like the rings inside of the loom that where all timelines funnel through is too small right yeah so instead of having to eliminate branches or having all the branches implode into each other they can the rings expand and there's room for all the branches so victor volunteers to to put on the suit to to go into the loom and cross the bridge where there's a lot of temporal radiation that that plays a factor into this yeah but and then we see right away like where we f- we feel like he were, he's about to have a very heroic moment, um, but immediately, as soon as he steps onto that bridge, he just gets spaghettified. <laughs> yeah, I they did such a good job setting that up because oh. you have Mobius going out there in an episode. Was it two? Yeah, I think I forgot to mention that. But yeah, Mobius goes out there and and, and he does it. Yeah, he he runs out there and like the whole time I'm thinking, please don't kill Mobius, please don't. Oh, I know, I was so ready. Oh my gosh, and and just phenomenally worried the whole time. And he gets he finally gets back and they close the doors. They're like, oh thank God, they didn't kill me. And so because of that setup, I thought there's it never even occurred to me that like when he stepped out, he would immediately be spaghettified and die. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) It like right hooked me so hard. I was like, I did not see that coming <laughs> at all well, not at all everybody's dead <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah he gets it gets turned into spaghetti because of all the as we learned there's just too much temporal radiation and it's and again obi is like the narrator for all the <laughs> weird so stuff that's going on in tva so it's uh, oh what just happened there's too much temporal radiation <laughs> yeah. it's like so it's again a an a great character just explaining the weirdness that's going on. <laughs> he serves like a great purpose for the audience. Glorious purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's, that's, that's good. That was good. Don't apologize. Yeah, good. don't apologize for that. <laughs> so then we see like just the most, one of the most craziest endings to anything in an MCU movie or TV show. We, The loom explodes and... We see it blast and it, it becomes really bright. And then this sort of blast wave spreads towards everyone. Mobius, Sylvie, B-15 is there, OB, and then, and Loki. And then it's, and then it just cuts to black. <laughs> what the hell yeah. just happened? Did everyone just die? <laughs> Did all existence just end as we know it? It just yeah. left us in this sort of, okay, I guess we got to wait a week. Like this is. Or is that Marvel's way of saying we hated this phase of Marvel too? We're done. <laughs> it's a very convenient way to do it. Yeah, we're gonna start back over. Yeah, yeah, do over. At the end of the episode, like I know a lot of jaws were dropped. I can attest to that. And 
I literally like I was watching, you know, my wife and I watched the show together and I literally like just got up off the couch and just stood up and just put my hands over my head. What just happened? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, what did did you guys like? What were your guys' impressions of that episode with that ending? Um, Yeah, I was same because we we didn't have enough time to we watched them all over this weekend and we had to it was already like 11 at night. We didn't have enough energy to watch the finale, too. But I was like, oh, I got to wait another day for this. Oh, just another day, even. I was like, man. Like, he says, I didn't expect that. Okay, got all this buildup. We do this. And he dies. And it's just crazy but cool at the same time. Like, all these, you know, at this point, this is not exactly the people you would think would be run, running the TVA. But it's pretty, they pretty much are at this point. And it's, and yeah, it's, it's just this band of misfits trying to like, okay, we've got this plan working in there, then, and, he, and he's dead. Yeah. So, it's, wow. It's, wow. Yeah. It was like, it was just so flabbergasted from Victor Timely's death. And then it ends. And I'm like, what right. episode are we on? Do they have, there's more what time, I, right? Like, what do they think this is? Twin Peaks? What the heck? Be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's got to be more, right? This is. It's going to be some wimbly wombly timey wimey BS yeah. that's about to happen here. <laughs> it has to be. I, I, I just didn't know what to think um, after that episode because it's, yeah, where do you go from here? It's, it just, you felt the weight of what happened. It wasn't just like an Ant Man, for example. I thought the movie was okay. Obviously, that's one of the sort of more recent MCU movies that kind of people don't care about, the people didn't enjoy as much. It was just. A CGI fest and like Kang was the, the the villain of that film and spoilers for people who haven't seen Ant Man Kang gets defeated at the end and in that movie then in that movie is like it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal like everything was contained in that sort of quantum verse no no one in the real world or the sacred timeline knew what happened this the Kang again being this sort of big time villain that they're establishing, you didn't really feel the weight of the the threat of Kang. You get little hints of and teases with his sort of like his sort of personal loom that he had, like that chair that he travels in that, that he had to get repaired. So it's a little hints of that. And, but in this show, you like at the end of that episode, I'm like questioning everything about the MCU, not just on Loki. Like I was like, what the heck just happened? Because we know all those timelines matter. And, what does it mean that they're like gone or they exploded? So, yeah, it was, uh, I think since nothing since like Endgame and Infinity War did, did, did the MCU leave a sort of impression like that. Whoa, what just what's happening? What just happened? This is uh, literally changing the, the universe. Um, so, yeah, that's just Again, a, a testament to how good the show is. Um, so after I waited a, a, for a, a week, painfully, some people just waited a day or a few minutes if they binged it. <laughs> we see that Loki is the only one that has survived and everyone's vanished after the explosion. But then he, he time slips and he is going to these branch timelines where he sees all his friends, but they're... They're all at, they're all living their original lives. Like it's all, he's seeing them at the points to where they're before the TVA, before they got pruned and got their memories erased, like living their lives. So, so we see Hunter B-15 is a doctor 
and Brooklyn. OB is like very much <laughs> not too far off from his actual <laughs> TVA position. He's like a science fiction writer. He just, he also works in 95, a nine to five as like a theoretical physicist or whatever, teaching at, at MIT, I think, right? Caltech, sorry. So yeah, very, as we learned that, that turns out to be very convenient for and pivotal for Loki getting out of this mess. And we see Mobius on a jet ski. Like how awesome we see that it opens on that slow motion shot of him yeah. with yeah. the wind blowing in his hair, but it's not really the wind. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really the wind. It's just a fan blowing. Yeah. He's trying to upsell this, this jet ski to a customer, trying to convince this guy to buy a jet ski when he's looking for a, a motorbike. So yeah, he's, we see Mobius is a jet, he works at this sports shop where he specializes in jet skis and, uh, he's a single dad with, uh, two boys. We see, um, we see Doug. <laughs> yeah, Doug. He, he's breaking out of Alcatraz, right? He's breaking it. Yeah. He's, that's Casey. Oh, it's oh sorry. That's Casey. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, he told me his name was. <laughs> yeah. Loki is still at this point. It's not, it can't control his time slipping. Uh, so Doug proposes that, uh, Loki get every, uh, Loki gathers everyone back together. Because through while Loki is explaining to uh, Ob or Doug like what's happening to him and like catching him up on, hey, this is what's happening. It's he's oh wow like he understands even though he's a science fiction writer he understands obviously the physics of what's going on and and the science of it. So he deduces that like everyone like it's can't be an accident that you're appearing like you're just seeing all your friends like when you're time slipping. So he deduces that we should, there's some sort of temporal aura and it looks, if you, if maybe if you get everyone in the same room, then we, everyone can get back to the right time and place. You can use the temple. If you can get everybody's aura or everybody together, then you can map that temporal aura and use it to triangulate the one you're trying to get to, which is right before the explosion to try and figure out how to rework it. Right. I love the fact that like when the, Episode starts, he's alone, and you just hear that blaring fail-safe protocol has been initiated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, what's that exactly? <laughs> You're like, why is only Loki there? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I liked throughout the course of the season how they used the telltale signs on the, the Mobius' writing in the dust on the side of the computer and the cracks in the floor and to tell you, like, which, where he is in the TVA's time stream in comparison to, like, where he was the scene before. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they, again, they use a lot of clever devices to show like where they're at in time, and luckily, Loki has a copy of the TV handbook, so he hands it to to Doctor Doug, Doctor Doctor Doug, <laughs> and that allow and technically Doug wrote the book, so he was able to build a temp pad. So Loki goes to visit, or he's visiting uh, Mobius. And he has that conversation with Mobius in his front yard, right? Oh, yeah. We should talk about that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is where he's trying to convince him, like, hey, dude, like, we're friends. Your name's Mobius. Says, That's a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> that is a cool name. But he's also creeped out about yeah, it. Yeah. Very creeped out. But it's cool the way that he shows him, like, hey, this is, I'm not messing around. And and look, I can, using that temp pad that Doug just made, he's, I can take you back to any point in time. So then to, to prove like the accuracy of, of what he's telling him, he takes him back to just a few moments, a few minutes before 
where he just met Loki out with his kids. So he's watching himself just a few minutes before. So this is all like registering in his head. Um, and Loki is obviously explaining the sort of dire nature of the mission and why he needs him to come with him. And yeah, that, again, that was a cool way, I think, of just, okay. This is the, imagine if something like that happened to you. Like you're watching yourself just a few minutes ago from a distance. Yeah, like, I, I guess I gotta trust this guy. The yeah. universe is gonna potentially end and like my, my kids are gonna die and I'm gonna, we're, we might be wiped off existence. I guess I gotta at least see this through. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was like a, a quick, uh, like a quick way, and uh, but a convincing way for him to get Mobius on board, and, and everyone else for that matter as well. So he gets everyone. Long story short, he gets everyone together except Sylvie. When he, but it, when he does meet Sylvie, she has her memories. So like Loki, she was not affected by the temporal loom exploding, and there she's is like, like this hey. pivotal scene. He has all this dialogue build up to ready to tell her, and she's like, yeah, "I know." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Of course, I know who you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this did not go the way I planned it. <laughs> of course, I know. I know who you are. Yeah, I know what's happening. Yeah, so yeah, Sylvie's just back in Oklahoma, trying to again, she's just trying to live her life, and and yeah, he again, he Loki, like he has done a lot throughout the season, is like trying has to explain like why this is this mission is so important, and you know why the TVA needs to be. Uh, be brought back and we got to fix the, the timelines and the temporal loom and all this stuff. And then Sylvie's just, yeah. and then it, there's a, we have this pivotal scene where Sylvie takes Loki to a bar, a local bar. And basically to, tries to get, admit, have Loki admit like his true motivation. Like it's not just, she's like, okay, what do you want? Cause Loki is accusing Sylvie of being selfish. Oh, you, of course it worked out for you. You get to, you just want to be here and, and live your life. How about Mobius? Like he, he said the TVA was the only thing that ever mattered to him and it gave him purpose. And what Sylvie does really well, even if for all the, even if she's made mistakes, what she's always done is get down to the core of it is what do you really want, Loki? And he wants to save the universe. No, what do you, what do you really want? And he finally admits it. He wants his friends back. He, he wants his, yeah. and especially Mobius, because Loki... Oh, Loki has friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Loki has friends, and he doesn't <laughs> want to lose them. And so Sylvie's, that, that's selfish too. So she refuses to help. He goes back, and Loki's, you know what, guys, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> forget everything I... Never mind. Forget everything I said. Forget me just changing your whole entire life by, by, <laughs> by again, like the end of Infinity War or the end of the previous episode of, of Loki... Where it just seems so dire and so end of the world apocalyptic type of event. Now it, it's not, it ends on a hopeful note and like a triumphant note, and and it also is a cool. It's also oh wow, Loki is evolving. Like he, this is what a cool power to have. Like to just go at any point in time, whenever you want, and then it just ends perfectly where he says, "I can rewrite the story," and then he. Slips right to the point into the temporal loom before Victor goes out there to, before Victor gets spaghettified with the throughput multiplier. And that's a fun part. He doesn't just travel through time. He just, he travels through time like within him. It's like he basically replaces himself wherever he's at. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. It's, that, that, instead of two Lokis important. being there, he just embodies the Loki that's already there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was really cool. Yeah. It sort of rewrites. 
the timeline from that point forward, right? Because now he's himself, which is I hadn't really thought about how confusing that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bit, yeah, now, but, but, yeah, because because he, he just all of a sudden, yeah, and now he is just it, it's. Oh gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna quantum leap this a little bit, but that's like when it's like when the Sam Beckett's character could leap through his own li- the years of his own lifetime. He was just stepping into people's lives, just right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Except it was his own. But yeah, and and then cue the groundhog fun. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So any any other thoughts on that episode uh, before we get into the finale? No, I I think it it connects so seamlessly to the finale in my mind. It's just one. Yeah, yeah, it it built, it built straight up to it. I, I would agree. I'll just I'll try not to elaborate too much, but yeah, it just it built it just built up to this. Fun yeah, finale. it builds Perfect. up to this moment, right? So we see Loki unlock this power, or at least control the time slipping, and we see at the end, yeah, it picks right up where he's at the moment before the temporal loom explodes, and it just explodes again, and explodes again. <laughs> and he goes back, he explodes again, he goes back. What did we do differently? We weren't fast enough this time. Yeah. Okay. We got to go back, and then he's let's just, if we build the throughput multiplier faster, then we'll, we'll, we can go to the loom sooner and before the temporal radiation is too much. So just, it's like hilarious and also like disturbing. Like he's, Obi, if I, if you had to teach all your knowledge of like physics and how long would it take someone like me to learn that? You know, and he's oh decades, and then Victor chimes in centuries, <laughs> and then you just see this defeated look on Loki, and then it cuts the black centuries later. Centuries later, <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, I mean, it's this uh, amazing performance by Tom Hiddleston. He is this. So all of a sudden, he's like this genius physicist and scientist. He knows everything about the the temporal loom and the TVA. He built this throughput multiplier. He knows exactly what to do. He's speaking like a million miles, a million yeah. words a minute. I was okay. You're gonna all right. You're gonna put on the suit, and then you're gonna take this. You're gonna put it in the thing, and then you're gonna turn it around, press the green button, and then you're gonna walk back as fast as you can. Blah blah blah. It's being like every everything is like super rehearsed and precise, and like every yeah. word is measured because you know he's done it before. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> a dozen, like, hundreds of times. <laughs> and even as the motivational speech, all just he's, uh, he does get Victor timely out, out onto the deck without him being spaghettified, and he's and he's speaking into into a megaphone. Keep talking. You're doing great. You're doing great. Don't let it roll off the game plank. Don't put the multiplier down or it'll roll off the game plank. You're doing yeah, great. It's just, yeah. You're being brave. So brave. <laughs> but but yeah. they let oh, they let Mobius, Owen Wilson's character, do one curse. The phone, he's like, what the? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? Oh, man. Um, yeah, so after that, like even after all that, we're like, okay, he Loki has all this knowledge. He, he he put them in perfect position to to do this, and then we go through that again. They trick us again. It's like Victor gets on there, and then the same crap happens. The the temporal loom still it it only buys them like ten minutes. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, like, he shoots it off and it gets bigger, and everybody's cheering, and then there's the alarm buzzer again. And I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, it's a it's an infinite multiverse. You can't yeah. get big enough. There's yeah. no, there's, <laughs> and then they go through it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, good. I was, yeah. I'm glad I'm with. <laughs> I feel bad about not thinking about that earlier because one part of my for ten years of my career, I was a scalability engineer. <laughs> so I feel kind of, 
Yeah, well, my I ego mean, got hurt on that one. Man. Yeah, sometimes Ugh. you don't think about the engineering problem until it slaps you in the face twice. <laughs> Seriously, fair. Yeah. You're like, oh man. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I just trust you. Trust OBs. Like we just need to make it bigger. And I'm like, oh okay. yeah, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when it doesn't work, OBs like, oh, we were too late, or oh, it wasn't big enough, or oh, it's infinite. <laughs> you can build for infinite. So yeah, that doesn't work. So then, now this episode is just playing this game. Okay, how far back does Loki have to go to change the events? So he then chooses to go to the moment before Sylvie kills he remains. So he's trying to explain to Sylvie a, a bunch of times. Just keep going back. This is what's going to happen. We can't stop it. Like, you killing him just makes everything worse. And then mm-hmm. is this constant, this constant back and forth. And she's like, you're going to have to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want me to kill me. he does not want to yeah. do that. So yeah. obviously Loki is not going to kill Sylvie. So let me see here. See, there's so many different... So in different places he goes, oh yeah, so, oh yeah, and that, so then we see he who remains, like, just pause everything. And then he goes to look yeah. like, how many times have you tried this? <laughs> you know? And we're like, wait a minute, he was like, like, and then, yeah, that was another left field, like, wait a minute. He knew that, you know, he, of course he knew this was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. You get to see the kind of peek behind the curtain. It's, wait a minute. How many times have you tried to stop her from killing me exactly? <laughs> yeah. And then Loki, and then, uh, a clever uh, twist, he's, how do you know this is the first time we've had this conversation? And uh, he remains like, oh, touche. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he tells Loki that. Well, the, I, lo- I love how he does that, too, because it's the, oh, you haven't figured out how to stop time yet. Oh, maybe another couple hundred times around right. the loop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he brings Sylvie back. Yeah. And then Loki's just like, stop. <laughs> he yeah. stops yeah. her in a mid-place. She's like, how how do you know this isn't the first time we've had this conversation? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. So he he basically tells Loki the the loom is just a fail safe, and overloading it protects the sacred timeline by deleting all the other branches and destroying the TVA. So he tells him, yeah, you kill Sylvie, save the loom. Loki rejects that. So then Loki goes to different points in time and he meets Mobius and Sylvie at different moments in time. And so a key thing that he learns from Sylvie is is that like Loki needs to, and, and I think this was I think they discussed this at the bar in the previous episode. I can't remember if it was that, just in that scene or a different one in this last one. Maybe you guys can help me remember. But basically, Sylvie is a key in conv- in like letting Loki in on what he needs to do. And the key is that she he need we, he needs to give everyone a fighting chance like not to just give in to to he who remains by like just preserving the sacred timeline and the tva because even in that moment even in in that outcome no one really has free will and sylvie's whole from the moment we meet her that's all she's ever wanted is just to be able to live her own life and and that's obviously a powerful major maybe the whole main point and theme of the show is this idea of how important is it to have free will and that obviously goes it plays a large role in our lives it plays a large role in our faith it's the reason why god created us and god as god's creation he created us with free will so that we wouldn't just be slaves to him and, and to his will that we would freely choose to love and serve god and there's no greater love than that and that 
shines through in, in this show and, and Sylvia's sort of explanation of even if we have to die, we have to die fighting, die trying. Give us a chance. Don't just give up. Even if you have to sacrifice whatever you have to sacrifice, please just give us a chance. Don't just let us like fall, fall back to what we were or just uh, give in just so everyone could, you know, live. Like if we have to die, like she's willing to die for it. Um, yeah. Yeah, she's willing to, to give up the whole bag, even if she knows she's not going to make it. I like how that scene starts. Is, so you're asking for my permission to kill me because you don't have it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm that's not right, yeah. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. yeah. Any other thoughts on, 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 on specifically this theme of free will and how the show handles it? I, It's a slippery, difficult slope, but it's. I thought they handled it really well. I like the... Mobius's conversations through the course of the show, both first season and second season, but the, was it X5? His conversation while he's interrogating him um, about why don't you go see yourself? Like, why don't you go? You're a variant. Why not go see what your life is actually? And the, you can see both like the struggle on Mobius in his acknowledgement that I'm afraid of what I would see, not because it would be bad, but because it would be good. And, but also the ownership of the, but what I've got now is purposeful and it is good. And I'm, and I don't need to go do that. And I think that's a very real struggle in general in life. There's, and I don't know if this is true of other ages, but it seems like we live in an age that's very obsessed with the what if which is very obsessed with the concept of if I had done this differently in my life, how would it have turned out? The fear of missing out amped up to the you know millionth degree because then you're wondering about what would my other timelines look like and, and how would that play out and the acceptance that comes with, no, I'm here and now and I live in the here and now and I, I need to act with purpose in the here and now. Um, and um, I'm trying to remember that there's a line from in the Narnia books I want to say um, that Aslan says in a couple places where he's, no, you don't get to know about that stuff because <laughs> it's not part of your story. It's their story. Yeah. And too bad. Live your life. Go on and do it. And it's interesting to watch Mobius struggle because Mobius is not, he's just a man, right? And he's very much sort of our analog in that space, dealing with Loki. And I really like the fact that they didn't shy away from it. Right. Or they didn't, and they didn't show, Mobius wasn't terribly dogmatic about it either. He looked like he was really struggling, which was nice to see. I'm trying to remember their final scene together. Oh, Mobius and Loki? Yeah. Before the God Loki funny. stuff? <laughs> yeah. Before he flashes back to one of, to literally the earliest meeting. That's right. On yeah. Him, and, he, and changes things just a little bit so he gets him to tell. He gets Mobius to open up a little bit and tell him a story about when he was a hunter and he couldn't put he couldn't take down a kid who was destined to cause the deaths of people and someone else had to do it. Yeah, which is Renslayer, which is Renslayer, of course. Yeah. And that, but that was all. That was like the last flash, the, one of the last conversations he had before surging forward and accepting what he had to do. Where he, where, where Mobius had said that sometimes the purpose is more burden than glory. It was like it was more burden. And remember that right? No, more, I, th I think you're, that's correct. More, pur more purpose, purpose, more burden than glory. And then yeah. he just, and then that, and that's what it seemed like. That's what gave Loki the resolve to move to go back again 
for the final time to where the loom was going to blow and result and resolve it in a completely different way. Yeah. He tells, yeah. Mobius tells him that story of, about these, this hunter who once lost sight of the big picture because he failed to prune a variant because it was, the variant was this little boy. Like, how can I prune this boy? Yeah. And then, but because of that hesitation, a couple of hunters died in the process and it would have been worse if we learned he's talking about himself and Renslayer. It would have been worse if Renslayer hadn't stepped in to intervene. And then, yeah, he says that line, most purpose is more burden than glory. I love that line because it's such a, like it's life, right? Like yeah. pur- pur- <laughs> there's no guarantee that the purpose that, that we live and what we do and what we get from our, what we're supposed to do uh, per our mission from God is going to be glorious, right? God is going to give us what we need guaranteed to pull it off, but there's no guarantee we're going to get more than that. And there's no guarantee we're going to come out the other side of it with fame and fortune and happy and just, we get that in the end, right? But in, while we're doing the purpose itself, while we're carrying the burden, it's a burden. (laughs) It's anybody who tries to sell you on the Christian life as being all roses and dandelions and strolls in the field is lying to you. Yeah. Well, it's a, a priest friend of mine once said the, the path to salvation is the path to salvation is what did they say? The path to salvation is very simple, but it's hard. Right. Yeah. It's easy, but it's very difficult. Yeah. So he would say it's it's easy as long as you do everything here. And, yeah. Yeah. It's like that. It's like becoming a meme now. But it's like the Tommy Lee Jones from Men in Black. It's like that line. Will Smith's character asks him. He's like, hey, is, is it worth it? In the context of that movie, is it worth joining the Men in Black? And then Tommy Lee Jones is like, yeah, but it's hard work. It's very simple. In that it's it's simply said, but obviously easier said than done. And that's the whole. And that's Sylvie's whole point. The point she's trying to get across to Loki. It's when they're debating like the need for the the TVA. It's the choice between dying with freedom or living under you know, unjust rule. And the Sylvia helps them recognize that protecting the sacred timeline is, it's not enough. It's free will is, is a necessity. We have to be able to make these choices. And Loki finally realizes that it's when she says, who are you to decide we can't die fighting? He's trying to like, just save everyone. Like just so mm-hmm. everyone can be safe. So he can have his friends and all that is, and, and he is making the argument like, like from before, oh, Mobius didn't have a choice and he wanted, to, he wants to be back at the TVA. And she makes this great point. Let's, who are you to decide that we can't die fighting? And, and that kind of parallels, I think, like where Docs and her loyalists were willing to do when, when they died. So, so after hearing that, he realizes what he has to do. He goes back to the temporal core right before the loom is about to get destroyed again. And then rather than, Rather than he who remains going out and getting spaghettified again, Loki just rushes. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He rushes to, to to the loom, and before he goes out there, he looks at his friends, and then in this ultimate full circle moment. Um, he says, "I know what I want," and he, he's Sylvia Movius are, are telling him to get out. He says, "I know what kind of god I need to be for you, for all of us." Which is a line from the very first Thor, a line that that 
he shares with his dad. So it's, again, this full circle moment. In that, and the first time he says that line, for you, for all of us, he's trying to justify to his dad why he's doing all this, all, all this crazy stuff. He's doing it for Asgard. He's doing it for the glory, glorious purpose, the name of this episode and the name of the first episode of Loki season one, right? So again, a lot of full circle moments here. And I learned uh, earlier today that he improvised that line or it was Tom Hiddleston's idea to bring back that line from the first uh, Thor episode, like for you, for all of us. And uh, really hit. I like it because it also parallels it parallels the TVA slogan for all time, always, right? Oh, but yeah, not, that's right. I didn't even realize that, yeah. It's the personification of that, which is the for you, for all of us. Yeah. So, yeah, he again, it, it's this stunning scene where instead of getting spaghettified, he's walking through the loom. He's like, the, the te- this temporal radiation is... It's not affecting him at all. We see him transform into his like classic, into more of a traditional Loki classic. Yeah, he got the, got the horns back and everything. Yeah, and the cape. We're seeing this Loki being a god, and but being a god in a very evolved way. And oh, the score is amazing throughout the whole oh, show, but especially so in that moment. Natalie Holt is the composer of the show, and and she. Just some of the best music you'll you'll hear in, a, in in any show. So he just he he just marches on, creating his own steps, marches towards the loom, and it's this really cool visual thing where all the timeline he's grabbing all the timelines like they're rope, and yeah, because he controls time exactly, now, or he can't. Right. Yeah, and so he's grabbing the various strands of time and bringing them together, and he, he putting his power into them. Right, the you get the green flashes going through it. And bringing it all together, marching his way towards through the loom, right? Yeah, As the whatever time stream thing that he's a visualization that he's in, opening up to what was the end of time and the mansion, which is now blown away, right? And, and slowly crumbling under the weight of this. What yeah. he's coming at it with all of these strands in his hands, and he's reaching the chair. This really cool chair that has the turns into black and gold. Oh, and all the yeah, yeah all the yeah. gold is pooling up. Yeah, like all uh, from mm-hmm. the, from everywhere that was like striped through all the the mansion itself. It's now formed this sort of pool that's moving in like a venom symbiotic kind of way <laughs> yeah. onto and over the chair. Yeah, it's yeah, it's becoming his new throne, and this he's literally just the whole universe is like just crumbling in the palm of his hands. But then he's like infusing his power to bring life back to these branches. Um, and then it's, yeah, it's becoming like a part of his cape and he's climbing up to his new throne as this golden throne. He's all, he's literally tied himself up in, into time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so is this, re- it's like he is the loom. He is the loom. Basically. Yeah. He's the new loom. And it's this very triumphant moment. The he's, and then he sits at his throne and this sort of new loom embodies like the, uh, this Norse like tree, Yggdrasil. I don't know if I'm, pr- I don't know if yeah, I'm pronouncing yep. that right, but yeah, Thor explains it to Jane. I think in the first Thor movie, talking about when he's like explaining, oh yeah, Asgard is a real place, and there's nine realms, and we're all uh, the nine realms are are all attached to this cosmic tree. So mm-hmm. so it's a very cool like representation of what the new loom is now, and uh, yeah, it's this triumphant, glorious. Uh, moment for Loki, and it's him giving everyone a fighting chance to uh, 
to fight for free will um, and to fight against whatever threats are coming. Apparently, all these other Kangs are going to show up and be a threat, but but they're going to die trying. I love like every moment of that scene when he gets finally up to the throne. And I, it was really when it started to take a barrel shape where I figured out what they were doing. And he brings his hands together and just that huge wave of energy goes out and you get that you're pushed back along with the, and you finally get to see, oh, he's made the tree, he's made the world tree, he's made Yggdrasil. And he's done kind of, you know, in the mythology, Odin hangs from the tree and loses an eye in order to get a view of what Ragnarok is going to be. Um, the destruction of everything and, and eventually the world tree itself. And you get, you have the opposite happening here. So instead of hanging from the tree, Loki is now the core of it. If you could call trees don't have hearts, but if you could say the beating heart of the tree now is going through Loki. And yeah, he's not the stump, but he's yeah, more and it's, instead of looking forward towards destruction, he's looking forward towards life. He's reinvigorated the world tree. And I loved it because it was such a, it was an awesome visual callback to the original Thor movie, the end of the original Thor movie where they, they take you on that kind of cosmological ride of Asgard. And then you, you fly over it and then you flip under the waterfall and you go down and you zoom out and you go through and you eventually get to the point where you can see the tree in the cosmos itself and now you have this sort of this temporal cosmological version of the world tree with Loki in, in the center of it as the beating heart who like understands that this is the, the glorious purpose that is perhaps more burden uh, than glory. Yeah, absolutely. And like, obviously ap apart from the, all the mythological ties to it it's very again we can tie it to our own faith it's very salvific it's very christological and the sort of sacrifice there's a lot of the obvious things like where he's sacrificing his life to protect the life of of the ones he loves it's very you could easily tie that to god having to sacrifice his son for the salvation of the world and uh, yeah, the tree of life and all that beyond the Norse mythology of it and him being the one that's having to hold everything together. That's like the what greater sacrifice is there than to to lay one's life for your friends. You know, he's a god. He's basically immortal. So he's not really dead. He's dead in a sense that, you know, he's burdened again, <laughs> burdened with purpose. That's not glorious. He's that's the sacrifice he's making. He's he's keeping time moving. Yeah. There's a difference between a really good story and an amazing story. And I almost always, at least for me, the amazing stories have characters that do something similar to this, right? Tony Stark at the very end saying, and I'm Iron Man, and snapping his fingers, right? Or Harry Potter walking into the, the forest knowing he's going to die, but he has to do this in order to save his friends and family and to save the world effectively. The amazing stories, I think for us, always draw back to Christ. They always draw back to the figure of the man, the good man, who is trying to do the right thing and has to sacrifice himself and goes into it willingly. Which, this show did it so well. <laughs> Just so really and that's the And that's the funny thing, that, that they had to build this, they had to make this a two-season thing because 
in the start of season one, he wasn't a good man <laughs> at all. They they could have they could have put they could have probably come up with a way to pick pick him or prune him like when he was on that quasi redemptive arc right before he got killed in Infinity War. But but no, they went back to right after Avengers when he was pretty much his most his worst, and they throughout the course of season one he became an actual decent not human being be decent decent being and and then yeah season two he became a good man willing to sacrifice everything so yeah we see we get like after after we get like an epilogue we see the tva is now has a new purpose it's they're basically just trying to contain all the different king variants and then we get a nod to ant-man where they report that a variant in Earth 616 has been eliminated. So that's the new goal with Hunter B-15 being, I guess, the new leader of the TVA. OB is there retooling Miss Minutes, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was like, I don't know. Yeah, just instilling confidence in everyone, yeah. So yeah, and then Mobius and B-15 share this conversation, and then where ultimately B-15 realizes that Mobius is going to leave. And who's going to miss an old analyst like me? Everybody. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, including us, especially. Yeah. But yeah, he... Uh, I won't buy a jet ski from you, but I'll miss you. <laughs> right. Yeah, so we see him go back to uh, to see his... He goes back to his jet ski life with... What's his name? Don? Is that his name? Don, yeah, Don. Yeah. And the, he's just watching Don himself as Don with his kids. And, and then Sylvie appears as well. And they... Trying to figure, do you remember what they talk about initially? I know how it ends, but it's. It, I think they're just. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. So I don't know. It's like it's yeah. It's it's time to to write your own story, and and then make your own burger. Make your own yeah, right. <laughs> and like in a brilliant way, in a brilliant ending, that's that's very moving. Sylvia asks the same question to Mobius, and he's. I'm just gonna let time pass. After, oh, such a good line! Yeah, after being in a, after working in a place where time doesn't exist, <laughs> basically, and then after realizing what his life was before his memory got erased and before the TVA, he's he he just wants to literally let time pass, and 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 he looks on uh, at Dawn and the kids, and Sylvie goes off to wherever she's going to go off to, and that that sort of line echoes through all the branches. Again, we see all the branches in the this sort of new tree loom that Loki's created, and then it reveals Loki's face. And again, just the look on his face was perfect. You see the sort of like sadness of not being able to be there with Mobius and Sylvie and all his friends. You see the heartache there, but you also see like the happiness in that now Mobius gets to figure out what he what he wants from life going forward and he gets to freely choose that and that that's that free will the sort of beauty and the the freedom that comes with having free will and uh, yeah i thought it was awesome and we i think i forgot to mention we see renslayer in a quick scene where she's in some sort of branch timeline like where the t- she's, she's at the end, the end of time, time. The end of time right proved. yeah and then uh, it looks like Elioth, that cloud eating thing from season one is approaching her so Obviously, it looks. It's probably not the last time we're going to see her, or it is, or Elioth, or yeah, or Elioth just ate her. But but I guess we'll see. But yeah, that's the uh, the end of Loki. 
So, yeah, what are your guys' final thoughts on on the finale and 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 how this all kind of wrapped up? I just I wasn't sure how they're going to end a story like this because they they'd given they'd given Loki new life literally after getting, killing him off in Infinity War, <laughs> and they made him an interesting character in a different way. And like, how are they going to end this? And they ended it by making him take on the burden that he thought he wanted, but he did, and for the right reasons. So it was. I thought that. I thought it was well done. Wasn't the my wife actually got a little misty and like we watched that? But it was like, yeah, I had a man cry a little bit after she left. It was, <laughs> but it's, it was that was that that was good. It was that I think that was pretty. That I think that was the best ending I've seen for a while, and not just a Marvel movie, but a shows in general. It was pretty good. Well done. Taken as a whole, Loki. It's interesting to me because he he basically gets effectively three. Maybe three and a half movies time because to give yeah. two six six episode seasons each episode runs somewhere between thirty minutes and an hour, so he gets the stereotypical Marvel three movie pattern the good one because we Thor Ragnarok taught us the va- the invaluable lesson that if you go to four it's not going to work so <laughs> three is oh the max boy, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a rock it's the Rocky rule once you get to once you get to the fourth <laughs> movie things get ridiculous yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a solid rule. And I just thought the storytelling was so masterful. And you get to end the season one and you get the feeling, okay, this was just to introduce Kang, right? This was a, and it was a very good way to do it. And they did an excellent job. And I love the story and I love the characters. But in the end, because there's a season two and because of how season two ends, you realize it's not, it wasn't just to introduce Kang. It wasn't just a, a masterful way to do that. It was a, it was a fantastic story to tell. Probably in my top, it's definitely in my top five seasons of TV of all time. I don't know if it broaches number one being the fifth season of Angel, <laughs> which I will die on that hill. <laughs> but yes, the other four seasons are trash, but the fifth season is just so amazing. Anyways, <laughs> it's so good. And I don't, I can see myself rewatching it just the same way I rewatch the Marvel movies. You know, oh, totally, all of them. yeah. But yeah, I I don't think I'd have a problem. Heck, I might go rewatch one or two before I go to bed tonight. I'm I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> seriously, talking about this again, yeah, it makes me want to watch it. Order some McDonald's and oh man, that's <laughs> ooh, that's the perfect night right there. Nice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well yeah. done. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, can't say enough great things about this show, and and yeah. It, uh, also, too, it even wraps up like Victor's story where we see at the end, too, the book never ends up being thrown through the window. So even Victor gets like a happy ending. Like we can assume at least he's not going to turn into an evil king or whatever or die turning into spaghetti. So, uh, so yeah, it's such a it's a beautiful story. And I think all the elements like that we discussed throughout this uh, this long podcast episode now, it's like the everything from the the writing and the performances and the practical sets and the, and also the visual effects and the CGI, like just the, the music and like it all like ties everything together, uh, tells such a beautiful story about, you know, the love, the, about friendship, like 
One thing about this season is like in season one, they explored this romance with Loki and Sylvie, but it really doesn't exist in this season. And I thought that was a good choice. Obviously, there's there's a lot of love and care for each other. But it, at the end of the day, it's it's more about I care them caring about each other's beings. And at the core of it, there was initially this sort of struggle with Sylvie just trying to get through Loki's head. No, it's not about just keeping everyone alive. It's We need freedom. We need free will. And I think that was a, a good choice by the writers to focus on that. And then just think, to have this ensemble, this like with introducing OB and having having everyone just look out for each other, I think focusing on that friendship was was a beautiful thing. And for someone like Loki, who's, again, and, and Sylvie, who are gods, romance is not a big deal <laughs> at the end of the day. And, and that's something they talked about in season one. They explored a lot. So, yeah, to them, like, going, uh, the, the purpose that fulfills them is to see the hu- humanity and the whole universe live in in harmony or in bliss. And then for this Loki, it's he realizes that living in a universe where everyone has free will is exactly that. Where the Loki who died or or the Loki in the past wanted to just rule and, and, and wanted to enslave people. So yeah. just, yeah, just an amazing, again, amazing character arc for this Loki character. I'm sure the I think what will really come full circle is when we see Loki and Thor reunite I'm. I have no doubt that they're building up to that moment where the sun will shine again on on Loki and Thor. Uh, as, the sun will shine on us again, brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think they have to fulfill that because yeah. that Loki died. So, <laughs> but yeah, well, I'm sure what the show is as popular that, that character is, we will see him again, and I'm sure they'll we'll see him and Thor have a moment. So that's yet to be seen in the future of the MCU. So I, I'll end this with your guys' thoughts on just the future of the MCU and what this show you think it has, what implications this show has for the future going forward. Cause I think it's a pretty, pretty major one. I'll try and be brief and I suck at that. But. <laughs> We've already gone yeah, almost two hours. Yeah, at this matter. point, I'm pretty sure Don's going to force us to make this two episodes at least. <laughs> so yeah. I got to be brief. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's, there's supposed to be a multiverse fa- phase of the MCU, and this gives it possibilities where, one, it gives the possibility of multiver- of the multiverse existing, and two, it gives it interesting. It This paved the way of introducing Kang in the first place, but then it also buttoned up a way to not make him as major of a character at the sa- in the same way by reworking the TVA so that it monitors all the Kang variants. So Kang might be a huge deal in the multiverse. He might not. Who's to say? Might be somebody else coming up. So I just thought that was interesting, and it gave Loki a, a good potential send-off or a, a good arc that I think a lot of fans get, felt got, he got robbed of in it. Yeah, I think, I think it, the reality is, I think there's problems with Jonathan Majors, right? Just yeah, that, yeah they got to figure that out. The real world. And so I think that whether or not that was a desired implication in what the TVA's purpose is now, it's now on the table, right? Because if, if he goes to jail <laughs> or Disney slash Marvel wants to distance themselves from him, then we may see a shift to a different arch nemesis. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm, who is that going to be? So I, I, it won't be Zarko the Tomorrow Man. 
So, <laughs> sorry, that was, that was left oh, field. Man. But that was a nice, nice pull. Sarko the Tomorrow. Stay tuned for another deep cut. Yeah. Um, sure, Dark Side will show up or something. <laughs> now we've got a multi- wrong multiverse. <laughs> but yeah, that's the real question in my mind. Is because there was very purposefully seems like there was no end post credit scene, right? And almost always we get the very last right. episode of something or whatever is a post credit scene that lets us in on the next thing. And I'm trying to think of what we have coming up next year, movie wise. It's only Deadpool 3. And then show-wise, we're getting Echo, I think, is the next show. And I think uh, Daredevil, I think, is TBD because they're, like, reshooting that whole show, basically. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize they were having to do that. Yeah. But yeah, I think they're, they're Marvel's in this place that it feels like they've been for a little while, like, where they're, like, rethinking, retooling how to go moving forward, like, what they're going to do. Um, as the, how to, how to, how are they going to proceed with this multiversal, big multiverse storyline, the, 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 the Kang situation, as you pointed out. And yeah, I think there's, there's just a lot of that going on. And, but I think with this show, like there, and the ending of it, there's, they can really go any way they want. And, yeah, and sky's the limit, right? Yeah. Even if they want to continue with Kang, if maybe they can just use a different actor. I don't know how Jonathan Majors is so good in that role. That might be too difficult, but, but yeah, maybe they pivot to a different villain. Yeah. And there's, there's versions of Kang in the comic who are almost wholly dissimilar from Kang the Conqueror. Right. And so you, we could definitely see that. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and yeah. And then like, how do the other movies, like there's a Captain America movie. That's obviously a more grounded story, like in, in general. So is that, how does that play into this multiversal stuff and I'm hoping it's more grounded. I actually really liked that show. I was probably I don't know about everybody else. I like that show. Liked the, I liked I it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite, but yeah. it, I definitely enjoyed it. I've always liked US Agent. And so seeing him and sort of him coming finally into the MCU and that sort of play out. That was, for me that was a lot of fun. I think he's gonna be an echo. I just like the son of Kurt Russell getting work. <laughs> I think he's gonna be an echo, so we'll see we'll get more US Agent. And, and nice. Echo uh, coming yeah. up, and then the, the Echo trailer looked really good. I don't know if you guys saw it, but so it's it looks surprisingly really good. So hopefully that that show delivers. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the like the grounded stuff, like Echo, the Captain America movie that's now going to come out in 2025 instead of 2024. Yeah, and uh, I want to say it had its name changed too, if I remember. Yeah, right. I think it's yeah instead of New World Order, Brave New World, else, I think Brave New World. There, yeah. That's right. Which. Slightly less ominous. Yeah. They're both, they're both references to 1980s books about dystopian universes. So <laughs> it's just a different vert. <laughs> oh, now we're on variants again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then it's supposed to lead up to this event. The next Avengers movie is supposed to be called Kang Dynasty. So, so now there's questions on whether... Because I think I just read today that they let go of the writer for that movie. So people are speculating like, oh, this is, they're starting to shift away from Kang, but that's all speculation. But yeah, at the very least, I think Loki at least gives you hope that like they can do this sort of multiverse, multiversal story justice. And hopefully it's not like messy and because it seemed again, like with like movies like Ant-Man, Thor, Love and Thunder, it's like, what are we doing here? Like <laughs> even the Marvels, yeah. like the Marvels was like, okay. I don't, and, but again, it just seems like we'll watch it. What was that? 
I am definitely going to watch it. It's worth watching. Yeah. Miss Marvel is great, and she's the best part of the Marvels for sure. And I think all the, like, Captain Marvel and and Monica and Miss Marvel, they have great chemistry. But I think, again, it's just like, it's a movie they just put out. It doesn't feel like it's... It definitely has a crazy post-credit scene. It's worth the price of admission just to see the post-credit scene. Because that one kind of has, like, a huge tease for stuff in the future. But yeah, but the movie alone doesn't feel like it's that impactful to the overall whatever multiverse story they're trying to tell or lead up to. So, so yeah, I think Loki is is a, uh, a great point to refresh or reset. And okay, if we're telling stories like this, if we're uh, uh, like then you can understand like okay, now we know how the multiverse kind of works and now we know Loki's holding it all together and all these different branches are still out there. So there's infinite possibilities. I think that gives hope for the MCU going forward. All right. I think we can finally end this podcast, (laughs) but you know what? It was worth it for a show like this to really dive into it and to talk about all the themes and all the cool stuff that we enjoyed. It just is just a testament to how amazing the show was. So that's it for this episode of Coffee and Comics. Um, before we go, let's uh, take a moment to thank our patrons who make all of our shows at StarQuest possible, including Joseph O, Wojciech D, William M, Andrew T, and Michael H. Their generous donations help us to continue to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, and you can join them at sqpn.com give. Now we'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on Loki Season 2? You can let us know on our Facebook page or on Twitter or send an email to secrets at sqpn.com or visit our channel on the StarQuest Discord server at sqpn.com slash discord. Until next time, Patrick, thanks for joining us. Uh, This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. David, thanks again. Appreciate it. Definitely a lot of fun. I'm Andrew Hermes. Thank you for listening to Coffee and Comics, part of the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, The Secrets of Technology. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology. We'd like to thank Patrick McCaffrey of Moonshadow Studios for editing this episode. To have your audio edited professionally and with care, check out more of Patrick's work at moonshadowstudios.biz. That's moonshadowstudios.biz. Hi folks, this is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of StarQuest, with a special message as we approach the Christmas season. Five years ago, StarQuest launched Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World, which has become one of the most popular Catholic podcasts. The show educates and entertains tens of thousands of people every month, exploring mysteries and showing how we can use critical thinking to evaluate extraordinary claims. We're very proud of how Mysterious World has grown and fulfills our gospel mission. But we're not done yet. We are reaching tens of thousands, but even more people could benefit from hearing this and all the shows at StarQuest in our unique apostolate of spreading the gospel with podcasts and videos. To keep growing, we need your help. In the course of those nearly 300 episodes of Mysterious World, we've continually improved the show 
adding a video version and animations that help illustrate the concepts we discuss. We've also begun adding video to our other shows as well to enhance their presentations and reach new audiences. We've also launched new shows, most recently, The Secrets of Sacred Art, which is best enjoyed as a video. And we have plans for even more growth, bringing the light of Christ to even more people online. We need your help, though, to make that happen. We have many generous supporters, but as time goes on, some people inevitably have to step back from giving. As a result, our resources have started to decrease. That's why it's very important that we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time of year when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you're already a supporter of StarQuest, we thank you and ask you to prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. If you're not yet a financial supporter, please become one now. Every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 a month? Whatever level of support you can offer, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas. And remember that your gifts may be tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. And may God bless you this Advent, and may you have a blessed Christmas season.